this is Drew here with my little sister, Ashley. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I guess your presence comes at the expense of Derek because we sacrificed his flesh to the boiler room. I say I killed um, him, but yeah, yeah. you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek's not here this week, but I'm sure he'll reconstitute at a future date. Meanwhile, you're listening to New Release, a movie podcast with a time traveling twist. Episode 127. Woo woo, prime number. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, why don't you do the math on that and get back to me? But um, Ashley, where, when, why the heck, the hell are we this week? We're in hell. No, we're <laughs> in um, mid-September 1992. Sorry I missed my teleport last week to go back in time with y'all. But boy, am I glad I'm here now for this piece of breaking news. Get this. Lucy from the Peanuts comic strip has raised her rate for psychiatric help from five cents to a whopping 47 cents. Drew, can you read us that strip? <laughs> First off, that's a pretty big price hike overnight. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. So yes. Um what's the what's the main guy? Peanut? Peanut. <laughs> okay. Charlie Brown? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what he basically looks like? Yeah. Is that the the, the oh peanuts are Charlie it's, Brown? Yeah, yeah, it's um what's the one with the blanket? It's a uh what, Linux? 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 Messy? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate all the help you've given me, but I was wondering, though, if I should get a second opinion. Do you have it up? You want to do Lucy's part? Oh, yeah, I can do Lucy's part. <clears throat> da, 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 da. Third panel. Okay. Yep. Only if you don't mind my beating you over the head with that stool you're sitting on. Whoa, she gets aggressive fast. <laughs> I guess first opinions are pretty good. See ya. <laughs> um, wow. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Okay, yeah. Well, pretty... Oh, I was going to say, thanks for that. Um, pretty gruesome. Thanks, Lucy, for being um, kind of a monster. Yep. Um, but we actually do have a bit of really cool news. Uh, Mae Jemison has become the first African-American woman to go into space aboard the Endeavor S2S-47. Here's her talking about how she got there. People look at me and think, are going to make judgments about women, about black people, about black women in particular, depending on how I do in the program. Uh, so in that case, yes, I'm aware that there's some, there's some additional pressures or stresses there. Yet at the same time, I try not to look at that too much, because if I dwell on it for a long time, then it starts to affect the way I interact with people and the way I interact with myself, even my expectations. Okay. Oh, okay. So she that, that was an interview she gave leading up to the launch, maybe not even knowing that she would uh, get to participate in a launch. So that's really cool. She was part of STS-47, the 50th NASA space shuttle mission of the program. Whoa. So that's awesome. Yeah. Monumental achievements back in 1992, where we currently are. Speaking of, what is showing at the multiplex this week? Ooh, segue, segue, segue. Yeah. Um, well, there's a crime thriller, crime thriller with an A-list cast. Don't read Our... my notes. Pull up the po- Just pull up the poster. Oh shoot. Okay. Okay. Fine. Just because it's all the names listed out. Oh my gosh. Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley, Mary McDonald, River Phoenix, Sydney Poitier. David Strathairn. Strathairn. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I worked with him um, on Temple Grandin. 
Oh, you did? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so there's that. <laughs> sneakers. Is it called sneakers? It's called sneakers. Yeah. Um okay. absent from that A-list cast is uh a female, but <laughs> Mary. It says Mary McDonald. Oh, they did squeeze her on there. Yeah, in the middle. She's in the sandwich of men. Gotcha. I didn't yeah. hear that. Cool. <laughs> well, that sounds fine. Very well made, I'm sure. Well, I would acted. like to see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, is there anything else? Anything more uh, up our up alley? <laughs> yeah, there might be something a little bit more sick and twisted for you, strange folks. Um, the tagline is What started in hell will end on earth. And we have a very, very familiar face, um, this really creepy ghost-like creature um, with pins sticking out of his head. And you guessed it, Clive Barker's Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's what we're seeing over this like A-list movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is this is our type of movie. So let's go. All right. What started in hell that it came out of hell. will end on Earth. Shall there you go. <laughs> the masters of horror are unanimous in their acclaim. Spectacular, says Fangoria magazine. One hell of a spine chilling ride raised West Braden. Cinematic says it's the ultimate in fear. I am the way. Clive Parker presents Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth, rated R. Starts Friday, September 11th at a theater near you. Ooh, okay. lots of blood. Lots of blood. <laughs> yeah, you were uh, freaked out basically from the opening scene on, correct? Yes. I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> describe just describe the first scene of the movie. Um, a guy, a guy comes into the hospital and he's dragging chains. And everyone's like frantic, and they bring him into a room to take care of him. And then all of a sudden, the doors open and the chains are just like flying up into the air and pulling all of his skin off. And that was like the first couple of minutes of the movie. So, <laughs> yeah, the the little meat hooks that yeah. <laughs> the, the uh, Hellraiser, yeah. the Cenobites, I, I want to make sure and get the terminology right. Mm. So Pinhead is kind of a colloquial nickname for the main Cenobite. But I think I don't think that's his official uh, birth name. So anyway, uh, we sometimes see just the chains doing his bidding. In this case, they really set the stage with this eerily empty hospital yeah. and like a nurse, like there's a camera crew there because uh, this ambitious uh, young female reporter is trying to, she's finally doing like some hard hitting news. Uh, she says it's the first time she hasn't had to cover babies or cats stuck in a tree or something like that. Yeah. And then the hospital is just empty. So she's disappointed. <laughs> yeah, Nothing is happening. No yeah. serious injuries. Yeah. But then, so I had a question about that scene because sure. the nurse is like behind her getting all these instruments out, but she doesn't do anything with them. I thought she was going to like attack someone or something. I think it's implying that they knew they, this was sort of a, sac a sacrifice. I mean, it doesn't make any sense because she's, like presumably this person is coming in as an emergency but mm -hmm. in some of the other movies frequently characters are they know more than they lead on the second movie takes opens in a hospital as well it's kind of like um nightmare on elm street part three where they're in the, the psychiatric oh, uh, yeah. facility 
And the one of the lead uh, doctors at that hospital is the one who's kind of orchestrating re- the resurrection of the Cenobites. So in this case, ah, I didn't they, really get the line. Yeah, they they kind of they don't give us any more to go on. But the the whether unless it was just purely for creepy effects to have someone laying out all these instruments. Yeah, like a bone uh, saw. <laughs> yeah, then it was the only rational explanation is that they knew someone was coming in that was connected uh because they they were injured from the headquarters of the Hellraiser, right? More yeah. or less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is the boiler room. Yeah, where that giant tomb is or whatever that encasing of all the victims and creatures yes yeah and i mean we learn quickly that the club owner is this uh, skeezy dude who makes a deal to buy this uh he's into all this very dark very disturbing art and one of his recent acquisitions is like a stone pillar with heads coming out of yeah. like heads poking out of it yep and yep. of course we recognize the main head as a pinhead um but yeah i mean you watched the first hellraiser like a year ago right because i feel like we both watched it the first one i haven't seen the second one yeah the second one spends about half the movie recapping the first one okay (laughs) so which i thought was gonna be pretty lazy for a while and i guess it was but i ended up really liking the second one so more of a I don't know, horror, horror movie where this one gets kind of like crazy action yeah, fantasy, which is fine. Yeah. I uh, like, I thought it was going to be because the first one I thought was really scary. So I thought it was going to yeah. be more of that like super scary, dark tone where you're like, oh, his face is melted. Like it's just, it's really dark. And this one was just kind of like Freddy Krueger esque. Exactly. As soon as Penhead starts talking and monologuing and quipping, I mean, yeah, it's clearly influenced by Freddy and it, I mean, he has some interesting speeches. We do get to know a little more about the philosophy that kind of, um, you know, encouraging people to indulge in their deepest desires rather than repress them. Mm-hmm. And we get to, uh, a few different moments of backstory. There's this Vietnam, these Vietnam flashbacks, because yeah. typically they're targeting, they're not targeting, but uh, characters that have experienced uh, major trauma could be vulnerable to mm. the Cenobites sort of like Nancy and, or sort of like, um, um, what's the redhead girl's name in stranger things, Max. Yeah. Max. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like she's vulnerable to Vecna. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of rambling on. What did you, did you enjoy the tone and, and the, the thrills in this movie overall? I actually liked it. I like Freddy Krueger movies, so yeah. I actually enjoyed it and I liked Pinhead. So it's a really inventive character design. There's several mm-hmm. Cenobites. We're going to, we forgot to talk about it, but I think we're going to rank our favorite Cenobites for yeah. Oh, yeah. the next segment rather than just do kills. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot more than just Penhead. And even in the first one, there's three or four different uh, characters with distinct looks. Everyone is pretty decked out in leather and S&M style mm-hmm. Um gear not to mention the chains that they use as their weapon but yeah <laughs> i think between the the character design like kind of the white makeup the leather the the pens were just like grotesque faces and then the hook the little the chains that come out with hooks 
Yeah. Yeah. Those um, are, oof. Yeah. It's and very effective. Well, and I really like since, well, I know maybe talk about kills a little bit, but I thought like the way they like killed people was really creative. Yeah. Like it wasn't always the same thing. Like they don't have a lot of chains and stuff, but they just had really creative kills and like the skinning when that one person got skinned, the girl, the very beginning, I was like, whoa, like that was awesome. It's sort of their main fuel is flesh. Yeah. They're the thing that regenerates them. It like. The thing I liked about the second one so much is they spend uh, you spend a lot of time with these uh, skeletal, bloody, zombie-like characters, or not even zombie-like, just characters without flesh, basically. And the effects are are really gruesome and cool in that one. This one starts to introduce a little bit more CGI, but all of the ripping flesh works really well. The absorbing people into the stone column is cool because then you see like a new head poking mm-hmm. out after um what was yeah, the club that owner's was name awesome. jp jd jp jp yeah yeah after he, he has sex with this one girl from the club and gives her his rose like the bachelorette um he sacrifices her to the <laughs> to, to hell basically that's okay he gets sacrificed as well sort yeah of. he doesn't last minion, long i guess I mean, does this movie resonate with you in terms of its themes of it's dealing with like the darker side of man and and our darker impulses? I I feel like it's good. It's ripe material for a horror movie. Yeah, I think so as well. And And it kind of I kind of wish they'd unveil more of like the darker pieces of the people that it killed, too, Yeah. because then because when they were talking about like JP, he like killed his parents or something to get like their right. fortune, which is fucking crazy. But I would just like to, like the, to know like the history of everyone. And then like since the girl was Joey, what's her name? Joey? I don't remember. The, the main girl? Lori? Lizzie? I don't know. I'm not sure. But since she was like pure and good, it was kind of cool to see like she wasn't as easy to kill or like try to kill. Yeah, there's all these rules that they have to follow. Um, in yeah, terms I did. Of, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. Uh, oh, I was just saying, I did like the fact Joey. that. Oh, nice. I did like the fact that Pinhead did mention, like, just because we're in hell doesn't mean we don't have rules. Like, that was one of right. the lines. And I was like, oh, <laughs> interesting. I was like, I thought, you know, you wouldn't because you're in hell, but I like it's a convenient. Body guidelines. <laughs> yeah, then they can kind of explain <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how the movie works and what the, the logic is. The person. So there's everyone kind of knows the can picture Pinhead in their mind there's also the the cube that's a puzzle that both uh, opens can either open a portal to hell in some cases or sort of like um act like the ghost busters trap and suck in the uh, cenobites and return them back to hell he's trying the main guy is trying to destroy it because they are now on earth Mm -hmm. and they want to stay there I mean, like that's what they—that's what they say in the movie. Like, if yeah. they destroy it, then they can't get; they'll never get sent back, and they can just. How do um, they? Well, obviously they didn't destroy it, but how are they planning to destroy it? Did they? I don't remember anything about like any plan. No, we didn't get that far. Okay. He did. They did. They did warn uh, Joey that. Well, one of the a guy. So she meets the person who created the original Cenobite, right? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. him. He's part. He's Penhead. That's his Is alter he, evil ego. Yeah, because he absorbs into him. Remember? 
well he becomes he merges with him but i thought they were two different people no because he talks about how when he was in vietnam people were doing certain things and he's like but i went to like my ultimate place of right. evil and i was tinkering so he created i knew he created him but i didn't know he was i thought him. he was his like other piece of him like his evil side because then he was like because then when they had joey in the attic or wherever yep. she was and he was just like yeah like you like like you like what i'm doing with this don't you like don't pretend you don't because i think that was like part of him i think yeah no that sounds right because in the first movie it's the main sin is um an affair between uh, two mm -hmm. of the you know between the mother the stepmother and the uh, father's brother yep. so his brother sleeps with his wife and that kind of sets everything in motion and there's all the i mean they're, they're not undertones they're overtones of of people that are into kinky S&M style mm -hmm. not being I mean it's it's so funny this movie isn't necessarily condemning that it's sort of being like I don't know what it's I don't know what it's saying about it I mean you, you do get punished for it and the villains are um taking it too far but if yeah. you could control your your desires in a respectful you know, um, consensual way. I think the movie is kind of, I don't it's know, reveling in it, promoting mm -hmm. it, and some, it's in promoting some ways. like being who you are, kind of yeah. like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why opinions like not that bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> great, uh, great point. Um, yeah. Oh, let me play. Speaking of not that bad, let me, let me. Oh no. <laughs> let's get a little taste of him. There are two keys in this room. One is in the pocket of this fool. You could take it out without me reaching you. Probably. And let yourself back into that world you've always known. Banal. Hopeless. Dreamless. And the other? The other? Oh, Terry. The other is the key to dreams, to mm. black miracles, dark nice. wonders, another life of unknown pleasures. And it's yours, Terry. Complete the pattern. Solve the puzzle. Yeah. And Pretty she tempting. chooses the dark path. Pretty tempting. Yep. I mean, she, she didn't have a lot to, you know, she's like, well, might as well. Give it a go, yeah. and then feed my ex to the Cenobites. Yeah. So there's, um, let's see. I'm thinking we can talk about some of the kills. I've got them listed here, but I think that'll tie in with talking about the the Cenobites anyway. Um, one thing that just stood out to me in this in this movie is like. Uh, the when like they when a franchise is around the song and it's in its third movie they have to keep upping the ante and so one kill scene that we can talk about is <laughs> the oh, boiler room massacre oh my gosh that yeah. was nuts yeah so like uh. uh 50 100 people are crammed into this industrial club space and right after what we just heard that's when the Cenobites are unleashed from the stone column, right? Yep. Yeah. And we get a moment. 
this movie because of the the club setting reminded me of queen of the dead that's what i think <laughs> queen of the dead or um uh blade remember the blood yeah. from the ceiling yeah very similar exactly and we get like uh penhead as a celebrity as like you you know now the both the pop culture and the public in the movie is gonna he's announcing himself he comes down this uh these steps i guess he kills all the witnesses for the most part i'll be curious if i get to watch more of the movies in the franchise if they just kind of forget that all these people saw him Uh, but no one could escape and really lock all the doors and then blood is pulling out so i don't think there's any right yeah but i mean i wonder what they're gonna what the media and what the public is going to um speculate caused the yeah this well that's what i was gonna tragedy. i was hoping that the end would wrap up with joey like doing a news report on it and having a big break. oh yeah like, why didn't idea. they do that it's like a perfect <laughs> tie-in like i don't understand but... well they had to take down wall street oh okay okay yeah <laughs> the ending so um Obviously, we saw this in theaters, but when I was rewatching it on VHS for research, <laughs> I had to had to leave right at the end. So she's like walking away from the, the sort of there's the attic is a main location in the first film. And the first film also ends like with the house collapsing and the it's like dirt area. I don't know if this is supposed to be the same location, but it's the same look as the location. And she just kind of sinks the the puzzle cube into the ground right yep into the cement yeah oh right into the cement oh duh of course so i i paused it right there because i had to go i could sense that it was basically the ending and then when i got back and watched the rest it was like there's like five seconds left of the movie but it's it's showing this giant um financial building these like grinning grinning white dudes in suits with their cheesy haircuts walking in and then you see the patterns from the cube all, all over, over the, the building. Yeah. The entire building. Yeah. I thought that was a cool cliffhanger. Yeah. And I had it. I also rewatched the VHS because I had to rewind or rewind it like two times because I thought I kept thought I kept thinking I was missing something. And I was like, oh, no, that's just the end. And I was like, oh, the patterns. Because yeah. I was like, how is this place? I was like, OK, so I guess it's built on the cube. So the cube's there somewhere. And then somehow like or someone found the cube and is like using the patterns on their architecture you know tbd yeah uh, there is all the movies so far that i've seen they kind of the second one ends with the statue kind of forming they get trapped in between worlds so that's why they're still around in this third one is because they were in um in the human world when they were captured and so they just kind of form into this, like the walls of the house, basically. Oh. So that's what that's what happens there. And I'm guessing in this one, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Well, well, they might even they might drop that <laughs> ending, <laughs> yeah. or they might run with it. So there's I'll a new one coming curious. out this year. In in yeah, in October on Hulu, there is Whoa. a new um, Hellraiser movie, which that's we awesome. might have to watch that for the podcast as well. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah. I like the Hellraiser series. I mean, I haven't seen the second one, but I like the first and third one. Yeah, let's just talk about its place in horror movie franchise history. So we've the big three are Halloween, Friday, and Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's easy to say. And then we've watched Chucky movies. We've watched, um, what are some of the other big 
horror franchises. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not really. Um, Children of the Corn. Oh yeah, we haven't uh, watched like a ton of like franchises besides the ones you named. I yeah, know. I mean, there's newer ones. There's and then there's like all the Night of the Living Dead movies. Um, I saw for those ones. Yeah, yeah. There's like the new ones, but um, but yeah, I I don't know. Aside from the, well, even compared to Friday the Thirteenth, which is our most watched franchise on the podcast. <laughs> period. Uh, I love the original Nightmare. I love the original Halloween classics. Mm-hmm. I actually love a lot of the Freddy movies like you were mentioning yeah, um, earlier great. when they switch over to the campier tone and they just go all in on, there's a lot of overlap between that franchise and this because the world uh, that the Cenobites kind of create, whether they're in hell or causing people to have visions on earth, they're more or less, you know, nightmare dream sequences. And he goes into her dreams, her nightmare. Right. Yeah. In this movie. So, um, Sleepaway Camp kind of counts as a franchise. Sorry, I'm just looking through. Oh, no, you're good. I mean, I think this one doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't top the, it doesn't crack the top three, obviously. I think it's like below Saw, probably. I mean, uh, I don't think the first one's really good. Yeah. So I don't know. I have to watch, I have to watch more, but the Friday the 13th movies are all fun and, uh, but they're super hit or miss. I don't, mm-hmm. I haven't rewatched the Halloween movies a bunch of times, like the main numbered ones. And then there's all the, the series of the series of different reboots and, and reimaginings of it. But I honestly, I, I think this could be right behind uh, nightmare for me. Yeah. Because yeah. I love the similar. yeah I, I I love the themes I love the the creature design it's mm-hmm. uh I'll have, to, I'll have to see how it weathers modern CGI this one whenever there's electric bolts and then kind of like the blue lasers outlining yeah. things I mean it takes you out a, a little bit did you were you impressed by the the visual effects in this or uh not really the visual effects issues? but the special effects or, or the like makeup and stuff was awesome right. But yeah, I didn't really like even like the main scene we first talked about or the first scene when he's like hanging by the chains and there's like, yeah, the lightning and stuff like if you didn't have the lightning, I'd still be I'd be more scared or like I'd be like, oh, shit, like it's more because of the skin ripping and like the hooks like that's yep. enough. So you can't really blame them for experimenting, but yeah. we've definitely learned over the course of, you know, decades that it's impossible to match the visceral um, goo and, and feel of fully practical movies mm-hmm. there is what about like the face faces merging and stuff like that i mean there they uh, it looks it looks computer generated but it's i don't know it's fun yeah that wasn't as bad as like the lightning and stuff like that right. was fine and i liked like the statue breaking apart and the goo coming out yeah like you said like oh yeah disgusting and cool yeah but i had to kind of look away i was like oh i don't like this but yeah, one thing this movie gets away from, well, they do have the one sex scene. It's, I feel like the first movie, because it's grounded in this kind of adultery, adulterous affair, and it's the motivations of the characters are, are a little more clear. It's just scaled down in terms of like all the different, uh, in terms of action. Mm-hmm. It's a little easier to draw a line between 
like uh, once you cross over a certain point in your indulgences in your uh, dark desires you might uh, there might be some ramifications <laughs> in this <laughs> yeah. movie it just seems to kind of revel in it the whole the whole time and I mean I don't really blame it there's some religious some pretty blatant religious symbology in oh, this yeah. there, he blows up a church and and uh, stigmatizes himself yeah puts his own thorns from his head into his hands yeah are they thorns or worms they're like worm fingers because I think they have like a nail at the end or like yeah. a fingernail not a nail that you hammer yeah he like takes the nail out of his head and uses it to fish for a worm thorn in his head twice (laughs) one for each hand that was hard to watch yeah and then he like turns his neck in the christ pose (laughs) yeah it's pretty messed up that's very freddy i feel like Uh, yeah he even has a quip like you're in my domain now or something yeah hell can't or heaven can't save you or something yeah um I, I don't know. He's a, he's an iconic, this is an iconic character. I'm glad there's been a bunch of movies between now or between three and the Hulu one that's coming, but it's just kind of untapped, uh, an untapped resource for me because I've yeah. seen so few of them. I'm uh, excited for the 2022 one. Yeah. I'm trying to find the, the stats, nine sequels. The only, um, one thing that might have caused a little bit of a different tone and drop off Clyde Barker's name is still on this, but he directed the first two and um, this one, he didn't write or direct. He presents. (laughs) Oh, interesting. I see. (laughs) Which I think just means like they, they will make more money if your name's on it. So we're definitely going to, is he directing the one that just came out or is he alive? Um, I think he's alive. He remember uh, one of my favorite movies from 1990 was night Nightbreed. He made oh, that. that's right. Nightbreed was great. Those creatures were so cool. Yeah, and that one had a lot of action. So it's not like I, I'm. I'm not even speculating that he wouldn't have. Um, oh, he's 69 years old. His birthday hmm. is coming up in October. Um, Usually yeah, he and, directed. Oh, that's David Bruckner. Story by Clive Barker. Yeah, and David something. Okay. He also directed an iconic. Uh, horror movie that might be even higher regarded than Hellraiser because there aren't so many sequels. And we're going to be watching that in October. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. I'm not sure you've seen this. Candyman? Candyman. No. You want to say it one more time? Can- no, I don't. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter if we... I have to say it three times, don't I? Yeah, we'll save that for that episode, but okay. yeah, I've never one of us that. is going to have to say it. I know spoilers, but it is awesome. So cool. <laughs> excited for that. Anything else to say about Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth? It was just better than I thought it was going to be. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, you will be working hard on a poem for the next movie, but we don't have one for this because you were working. too disturbed to write. Yeah. 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 We're working. I was, yeah. I was working and my hand was shaking from Oscar. Yeah, exactly. But. We will move on to our favorite segment, something we like to call Rank the Fuck. No, blank. Oh. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Thanks. Um, just channeling that Hellraiser energy. Rank the blank. 
is where we bring in sponsors to support this program you're listening to ad free except for one ad <laughs> for this over here i'm a boglin me and my buddies need a place to hide out <laughs> come a little closer Oh, did I scare you? Oh, I do that so well. If you take us home, we'll kiss your aunt Martha. <laughs> we'll eat your peas. And we hope you know lots of girls. <laughs> hey, the name's Boglitz. You sold separately, and we're looking for good homes. Maybe yours. <laughs> so is Boglin, without looking at the advertisement, is Boglin mm-hmm. a gross gremlin? Yeah, they... Boy? They are creepy toys for boys to freak out girls. Now, cool. <laughs> it's they look a lot like ghoulies. If you mm. are from, there's another horror franchise. Um, they're like basically creepy miniature miniature goblins, and maybe the boglin mm-hmm. part comes from because they come in a box, <laughs> or they come from the bog. Or they're they're bog creatures. Oh, I just looked them up. They're actually kind of cool looking. Yeah, I wonder if that they, they probably have some resale value on yeah, eBay. Well, you but... can buy them on Amazon. Oh, still still made. Well, use our coupon code, hell, for <laughs> um buy one, but bog one get one half off. Bog one get gong. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Rank the Blank is where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and rank our personal favorites. This week's topic is going to focus exclusively on the movie. It would be cool if we knew every Cenobite that had <laughs> ever um, been shown in, in, in a Hellraiser movie, but we've got plenty of good ones to choose from for this. So we are ranking creepiest Cenobites. We can probably just do them all. Derek and I did yeah. all the Lynch movies uh, on the last episode, um, we'll do this kill style where we just rank rank them all. Um, okay. If you are having trouble with my descriptions, <laughs> let me know. But uh, I tried to I tried to describe them here. So okay. So Penhead, which we talk about a lot, main character has pens in his head. The ultimate Cenobite kills everyone yep. viciously with chains. Cameraman. <laughs> Who has like a um, lens sticking through his eye that also is used to stick through other people's skulls and kill them? And he says yes. funny things. We should mention uh, here that several of the Cenobites are reanimated uh, characters from earlier in the movie, friends of Joey. So this yeah. was her. I, I meant to. I meant to mention her executive producer, her news producer, whatever is like. Maybe if you wore a skirt and tilted down, oh, a tighter you'd, skirt, yeah, you'd already be an anchor. And it seems like Doug, this kind of like Hulk Hogan-looking dude with blonde hair and a mustache, is a nice guy. Yeah, he seems really nice. He like, offers you a ride home, and like he just yeah. doesn't seem creepy at all. No, and he and he sticks up for her. He's like, they're, they they he gets dispatched to another location. He's like, can I bring Joey? She's ready to go, and they she calls him in the middle of the night, and he he shows up unfortunately he ends up with his head in his lap um, yeah but he is reanimated and why is he turned into a cenobite if he's a good person i, thought was I mean he he had some demons he was okay. good to her and i think uh i i think we're just supposed to assume that he was you know hiding some some dark impulses 
Okay. Um, so there's also the CD guy. <laughs> was he the DJ? Was he must have been? I, I I didn't recognize him, but there. I mean, I don't know. And is that how you play? Is that how you DJ? But probably. Yeah. Well, he had all these CDs, and that's how he died or died, and then he was reincarnated. And he would just throw CDs at people in their face and kill them. Yeah, and he makes like the the CD like tray noise when oh, he takes them yeah. out of his out of his head. And th- yeah, there's <laughs> that guy. Um, flame face is the one that brings gasoline everywhere and lights people on fire. He throws a Molotov cocktail of gasoline, yeah. like in a shaker. His uh, face is like um, wrapped in chains, which is creepy oh, too. Oh yeah, that's pretty creepy. The baby, I don't remember. Well, I thought there was going to be more of the baby. The baby is in the column, and then the baby is hanging from the ceiling at the club. Oh. I thought okay. it was going to be a, a character that kills. So, how many do we have here? We can go ahead and rank baby last. Okay. And then there's, um, which was Joey's like really good friend in the movie or newfound friend, but she's the one that feeds JP to the Cenobites and she has like a cigarette sticking out of her neck, like a a gaping hole in her neck. And she looks like super evil, but she doesn't look like too gross. A lot of smoking in this movie as as always in the eighties and nineties, but the guy who, uh, answers the phone, Doug, like before he can even say anything, he like lights up a cigarette in bed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Classy. Um, and then there's the one the drum season hit. Is that JP? See, I, I, yes, I'm going to, that was my guess because he's like, I don't even know if they're drumsticks, but they're like, uh, there are like erotic rods yeah, that are sticking like... directly into his brain and, and um, machining back and forth. Yeah. Like Frankenstein's monster. So probably was JP. Yeah. Um, but that was a pretty disturbing image. Yeah. I think I have a pretty clear. Well, do we have to, does Pinhead have to be number one? I mean, doesn't have to be. Yeah. Well, is there an argument for anyone over Pinhead? <laughs> I don't think so because you just see him and you're like, oh no. I mean, they're all really creepy, but I think that all the other hard part is you're used to seeing him too. But right. Like, and he talks him, now. And he talks out so he's not as scary. But if you see him, if you think about like old school Pinhead in the first movie, you're like, this guy, like, no, it's terrifying. Yeah. I think in every movie, they also show like glimpses of his origin where yeah. you see the pens going, the nails going into yeah. the, his head and the, the flesh being like diced up. Yeah. Um, a grid. Yeah. 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 He's iconic. So Pinhead number one. And he's the one that, perseveres and transcends all the movies so he's got to be number one i think smoking lady is six yeah she doesn't get to do much and it's kind of a lame character trait that she likes smoking um well yeah there should have been more the the hulu one is going to focus on a female cenobite a female penhead yeah and there's of the three and the oh is it basically a replacement for penhead well, I just looked up the cast and it says that she's Pinhead, I think. Yeah. It's a girl that plays Pinhead. So. Yeah, a lot of ground has happened since we, since from three to 10. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, so maybe there is no male Pinhead anymore. Nonetheless, there is a female in the core, like trio in the first mm-hmm. one. So mm-hmm. um, tradition there. But yeah, in this, uh, uh, she didn't do much for me. Um. I thought the flame face was pretty gross. 
Yeah, the the chains cutting into the face and there's usually like sort of an overweight Cenobite and they just yeah. have more flesh to work with there and they're like <laughs> fold the folds stick out from under the the bondage. It's like yeah, an effective uh, <laughs> way yeah. to be gross. So, I I don't know. My top my number 2 and 3 is are, are, it's either cameraman mm. for several reasons. One there's his introduction where he uh you immediately know it's him because the mustache but also because they used like a definitive character trait and so yeah. they shoved the camera like you said through one of his eyes so now he's you know a, mm-hmm. a cameraman a bionic camera cyborg but when he punctures through someone's head and you, can you see. see her yeah through the the, cool. the head hole and he says he doesn't say that's a wrap then. What does he say? It's about a close up. Now that's oh, it, a close up. Now, now it's time for your close up. Yeah. Something, yep. <laughs> yep. That's pretty um, good. He says that's a wrap later. So he's got good quips. Um, but uh, CD guy is up right up there as well. He kills the most people besides Penhead. I, I just I think it's fun because it ties into the time period. Um, we just saw the the introduction of CDs in 1982, so now they're prevalent enough to be used by DJs at the boiler room, apparently. Do you want to do Penhead, Cameraman, then CD Guy? I think so. And then Flame Faces, four, Drumsticks in the Heads, five, Smoking Lady, Out of Her Neck is six, and The Baby, seven. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I wanted more out of The Baby, for sure, but we just don't get Yeah, it. I don't even remember seeing it, which is unfortunate, because yeah. babies are really creepy. I, there's got to be more baby Cenobites in the in future iterations. Probably a lot. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And you can get a baby Boglin that won't kill you, or maybe it will, um, for half off. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, that was that was much more efficient than us ranking all ten David Lynch <laughs> <laughs> movies. But I think we I think we made the right choice. Can't state enough how much the the action sequence that the movie wraps up with we didn't really talk about we did talk about the very end but kind of the action climax is her escaping the club running down to the street there's explosions there's penhead kind of creating this industrial nightmare sort of like you see in the freddy movies when somebody's running from him and mm-hmm. like this it, this also reminded me of masters of the universe because you see like the all these like uh horror characters converging like walking down the street it's it's totally over the top and campy but i thought the climax was was pretty exciting i did too i was gonna say and this kind of leads way to like the reviews and stuff kind of jumping the gun a little bit but the reviews were kind of like not a lot of people loved it but the ones that did love it one of them said like genre fans will appreciate the blood flow and the gore Mm -hmm. and the director keeps things moving so there's never a dull moment or dull blade consider hell raised, which is a good review. Yeah. But like I, I didn't get bored. Cause sometimes horror movies they kind of have a lull and you're like, this is 20, 30 minutes. I don't need to be like, I don't know why this is here. But it was like pretty action-packed throughout the whole thing, which I really appreciated. Yeah, we get these like a couple moments of when she goes to the limbo place and gets the all that exposition from I I guess the original Penhead did. Yeah, we go right back from that to the club massacre, 
Mm-hmm. And then anytime there's a little bit of um, kind of just story in, in world building, we it's followed up by a crazy bonkers uh, kill sequence. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I totally agree. This is more, it's kind of the, this is the kind of movie that ages well if, if you're a camp horror fan. Yeah, I agree. And I really, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, did the box office, did you own the box office? Oh, well, we haven't even transitioned back yet. Oh. <laughs> Thank you to Boglins for sponsoring Rank the Blank this week. <laughs> Let's get back to our feature presentation. How, did How are the reviews? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the box office was solid. We've got sneakers at number one. Go figure. Star-studded cast. Honeymoon in Vegas, the Nick Cage, Sarah Jessica Parker movie that we talked about uh, for the Twin Peaks episode. And number two, but Hellraiser 3 at number, number three? three. How on oh, earth? Like, at number 12. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was only in uh, 800 theaters compared to 1,700 for sneakers, so wow. half as half as many. And so the average uh, per screen is comp. Not it's it's still less, but I think that's that's got to be a solid debut. Yeah, that seems. I mean, probably 800 theaters. That's really good. Yeah. Um, I was just Blade Runner, say- the final cut. Yeah. Coming in at number 13. I, did you did you see that to fix the your problems with the ending? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Check it out. That actually made ten thousand per screen on only fifty-eight screens. So you might oh, have to, wow. might have right. to hunt it down. But yeah, solid performance from Hellraiser. I guess we might be getting more in the future. Ooh, yes. I hope so. Can't wait. What's mm-hmm. next? Oh. Uh can I go here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So Hellraiser three, would you consider this new release or old news based off of like Remake potential, legacy, characters, music, directors, producers, screenwriters, etc. I mean, the sequel and remake potential. Uh, we're getting both <laughs> constantly. So <laughs> it's it's an active franchise. So that, in some respects, answers the question. But we usually just answer this on a gut, emotional level. Kind of, it's our fancy way of saying, our branded way of saying do we recommend it or not for yeah. modern audiences? Like, you know, it's, uh, it's a 30 year old movie. So yeah. New release or old news. Um, I would say I did like it, but I would say old mm. news and just watch the first one. Cause the real first ones, I just really like the first one. So, you know, I, yeah. Okay. That's fair. I would, I would just piggyback off that and say, Start with the first one if you haven't seen it, then watch the second one. And then if you're still interested, <laughs> keep on going. Thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. And uh so yeah, I'm definitely not done after three. I, I would say new release for sure, but I'm not gonna say that uh that it's better than either of the first two. So mm-hmm. start there and uh, if way. you're into it. Yeah. If if you're into it, you might, you know, you might drop off halfway through the second one. You might, you know, you might not make it. So, but you're going to like 
definitely, if you're a horror fan, you're going to like the first one. Mm. No doubt about that. Yeah, agreed. Um, cool. So basically, what we should you should watch it, but watch it in order and then see yes. how far you get. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So on a scale of zero to 92, how early 90s is Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth? So right now we only have one movie to compare it to, which is Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, which got a 75. Yeah. Yeah. Since you were out, Twin Peaks is Lynch is kind of heavily inspired by like 50s motifs and diners and everything is has this ethereal, timeless quality. I think because it was timeless, we gave it we gave it credit for that. Yeah. But it certainly doesn't scream 90s. Does Hellraiser 3 scream 90s? I think it does. Yeah. Yeah, special effects or the effects in general and like the makeup and the costumes and even like the wardrobes people were wearing in the clubs. Um, Being a horror sequel, the third in the franchise, keep keep turning them out. Yeah, Yeah. it's, uh, did you notice, well, the music is noticeable in the club scene. Yeah. It's got kind of like a haunting score, but it doesn't, what we're going to learn yeah what we're gonna well actually maybe that grunge maybe that is what 90s yeah maybe. yeah now that i think about it maybe the club music was like this it was like this cheesy um uh, industrial rock it wasn't like mm-hmm. cool alternative rock it was trying very hard it seemed like yeah and not even yeah. like they didn't i don't think they thought it was cool music the club is supposed to be kind of a haven for well at least the owner's a douchebag i don't know about oh, the for sure patrons but, well he's a douchebag in the restaurant which is so funny they had like a really nice restaurant beside this huge club yeah and, and he has like, his like submarine cabin that like locks i mean like with a like a bank yeah. door so he can uh, torture people we know um so i would give this movie an 83 okay Be, there's no 90s stars so yeah. we're not going to have another situation where every movie gets an 82 out of 82. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we're going to learn is that I, we learned this when we were in 1990. That was a transitional year. There's something like uh, the early 80s years that is like so it feels so definitively of its time. Yeah, I think movies in the 90s are going to feel more like um caught between worlds or something mm-hmm. so anyway i I'm, I'm with you i think it it this type of horror movie definitely feels 90s even going from the 88 uh hellraiser 2 yeah did this one it is like noticeably different in in tone hmm. so well yeah it's good that you have to compare it to since i yeah. don't so all right so all right. 83 and then what do we include in our new release gift shop? So each week when we watch a movie, we take something from that movie and put it into our shop. Um, right now we have, ooh, a new release secret diary. Yeah, so our confessions are documented in this diary and like Laura Palmer's secret diary. You're, we're going to rip out one page per purchase and send it cool. to the person who orders it. With our deepest, darkest secrets that cool. Pinhead would love to get his oily hands all over. Mitts on. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we want to take from this movie and sell it? Um, I mean what the the sponsor I was trying to track down instead of um Gooblins, what are they? Um Bocklins. 
I was like goblins. I was like, I know that's not right. Goblins. Um, um, I like goblins. I was trying to find uh, pen art toys as a sponsor, but I guess they didn't make any commercials for those. (laughs) Um, What about um? What are those like dolls you stick pins into? Oh, push pin cushion. Yeah, but they can be creatures and stuff like people. What if we have pin cushions of ourselves and then people right? So bobbleheads, but pen heads. Mm-hmm. So new release, um, crew, pen heads, basically like stick pens in our heads. Yeah. They're called like uh they could be like pin cushion dolls or something. Oh yeah, pen cushion. Um, cool. So what are we watching next week? I'm actually you're you're not gonna be on, right? No. But I'll let you decide for Derek now. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> um first option is this uh private school movie starring brendan fraser matt damon a bunch Ooh, of that one. um a bunch of other actors maybe affleck is in it yeah so it's fraser affleck damon chris o'donnell um it's wow, called school ties they're like there's this um um like anti-Semitism that he's battling. And he, when he goes to this, a Jewish student who was awarded an athletic scholarship um, goes, you know, he's like the star player at this prep school. This is Brendan Fraser. Anyway, it's definitely a time capsule in terms of the cast. Um, so that's one option. And then we have a movie called singles set in the Pacific Northwest. Also starred studded. Um, we've mm. got, um matt dylan i thought there were more people in it um just matt dylan yeah matt dylan eddie vetter the musician Kara sedgwick yeah nice. um and School yeah this movie is known for kind of it's uh, it is a little bit of it is important because it's captured early 90s grunge and what people think is a pretty authentic way so your vote is taken into consideration. It's also a Cameron Crow movie, which I think I've seen. I think I used to own singles. I, I watched it for the first time about a year ago, and it's definitely might might be interesting to revisit just if we're trying to really lean into the subculture of the time period. I think that I yeah, I'm going to change my vote. So it's very 90s because the other is based in the 50s. So, OK, yeah, I'm saying um, singles, and I've seen it. So it's perfect. Well, maybe we'll have you call in. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, that is it for new release this week. If you want to join along for the rest of the fall and beyond, you can subscribe to the podcast by searching new release on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else you get podcasts. Ashley, put a pin in it. Nice. (laughs) Eric and I struggled last week. Sweet. All right. I think that was like right in an hour.